0: JRE fans, this is the Joe Rogan experience review, joined today by Mark.
1: Woohoo! What's up, guys?
0: And, of course, me, Adam. So, once again, hi. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, I want to start off uh, quickly by saying there is a new petition for Joe Rogan to be the. What is it? um the since you're the political analyst?
1: Yeah, moderator presidential debate, right? Yeah.
0: The moderator for the yeah, I signed it.
1: Yeah, so they, yeah, moderator. I mean they That seems que- funny. They ask, they ask the questions and they get, and they kind of I think it would be kind of fucking amazing.
0: Dude, I would have signed one that said Polly Shaw was going to be the oh moderator. So oh, that would So be yeah. be...
1: Tre- an um. <laughs> don't don't
0: put me too much on the fanboy end of signing things. I am willing to sign things. It's, it's true. Okay? It's true. I've but, had him
1: sign like I've had him like co-sign loans for me. <laughs> he, do, he doesn't know it yet. He's in a lot of debt.
0: <laughs> yeah, my my credit is the worst. Oh,
1: I know. That would mix it
0: up, though. Why does it have to be? What does it have to be? Those news nerds
1: Because they control everything? I mean, that's, like, that's who... They're the serious people, right? So, like, oh, the serious people must ask the serious questions. And Joe Rogan wears a t-shirt. Therefore, he is not eligible to ask presidential candidates questions. But I actually think it would be really fucking awesome. Maybe they do it, like, old school. Like, back when they did town halls on, like, MTV. Remember when, like, it was a big goddamn controversy because that's where Clinton said um that's where they asked do you smoke it was like i smoked i did not inhale fuck you um and then we asked him boxers or briefs and everybody was like "Woo!" because he's kind of good looking and we're mtv we're edgy we asked the boxers or briefs question fuck you mtv yeah right um, yeah and then it's like and they're like oh my god i can't believe they like slummed themselves and went on mtv and did this stuff and now it's like not even a thing um,
0: slummed it yeah
1: well it but people
0: people do serious. like that they like that normalcy yeah. with it i remember when bush yeah. was president but regardless of who people liked at that time the the one metric that george bush mm-hmm. jr had on his side was the you know a high percentage of americans would love to have gone for a beer with him yeah, that's what does the, that mean?
1: That, that's the because the, because ultimately because it doesn't really mean they want to have a beer with him. That's psychologically it means I feel you like you're kind of like me. Therefore, you'll kind of get the struggle I personally am going through. But to to really peel the layers away, it's kind of like you're dumber than shit like me. That's kind of it. Like you know, they want them. They want somebody that they feel is like on their level, but just maybe just slightly better.
0: I yeah, he didn't, he, well, he definitely wasn't you know, it's one thing to not be that smart or mm-hmm. be that smart, but it's another thing to impose that on others and be yeah. like, I am smarter than you. And just by talking to you, I'm going to be snarky and I'm going to make you feel dumber. Yeah, no, like I'm sure if people that. hung out with Clinton, you know, or even had the idea that they were going to, they were like, this guy's going to fucking make me look like an idiot from well, the that moment was, I get there.
1: That was his um, strength is he, he didn't do that. He was really good with normal people. I mean, uh, my mom's best friend growing up worked for him for years. She, she really loved him. She really did. I mean, like Oh, not, for Clinton? Yeah, for Clinton in the White House. Oh really? Yeah, I got a tour of the White House. I got to like see the Oval Office, like like legit West Wing, like private tour. Like there was nobody else with us. We were in the West Wing, we saw Roosevelt Room, we saw Oval Office. I was in the I get to have my picture taken in the press room. Like it was like for real. She was the director of intergovernmental affairs. Um, That's pretty sweet. Yeah, and we got lost in D.C. because apparently that's a really easy thing to do because she like we, she had it arranged that we were going to meet him. But, like, we got lost. And I, I think that's why my parents got divorced. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. <laughs> my dad got was... lost. My dad couldn't see and my mom was just, like, harping at him the whole time. And it was just a world of shit. And at the same time, it was a microcosm of their entire relationship. Yeah, um, there's uh, one of
0: ten reasons why. But he was really
1: good. He remembered names really well. He was really good with everyday folks. Because he had that folksy charm. He's from Arkansas. He had that folksiness. Um, mm. Yeah.
0: That's well, it's the, a popularity contest. That's what we're learning. Kind if of is. And we didn't realize, I don't think we realized that, all too much before a few though obviously it was right well obviously is always that because you get it but you know i i think we always like to start with the idea of like okay what is their experience mm-hmm. what do they know it, it's like we always have looked at it like it's it's a, a job application yeah. here's your resume and yep. now do your interview but really it was more of an audition and that's what an I'm learning today. It's, 100% it's like audition. forget your fake ass resume because we can just we can just fill that out with a bunch of fake references. Well, they've, How but, popular are you? Well, they've all and got resumes. It.
1: They've all got resumes and I do believe
0: What was Trump's resume? He didn't do any politics. Business guy. He was like TV. Business but that's guy. That's not Is that politics? I guess
1: that's insane. No, it's not, but it, that was the whole thing. It was, the, it was the shake-ups. Like, well, let's get a business guy in there, which has always flummoxed me and, forgive me, I'm going to get on my soapbox for 30 seconds. You do not run the government the same way you run business. The goal of government is to make people's lives easier, to make things run efficiently. The goal of business is to create a profit, is to make money. They are completely different entities that's why it always drove me crazy when people are like well we need to run the government like a business it's not a business it's a completely different fucking thing now if you yeah, want to but talk
0: don't about- don't governments need to also make a profit i mean they can't just be like no actually billions to- in the hole how would we even pay for that we are
1: billions of no my friend we're trillions in the hole to the tune of like 22 22 oh, trillion so- in the hole so
0: the government is designed to just spend everything
1: Government is, well, no, government should simply spend on essential services, social programs, things like that. In an ideal world, it, the the balance sheet is balanced in an ideal world.
0: Oh, I gotcha. But
1: unfortunately, we've run, like every administration, Republicans and Democrats have run debts. That's just, that just happens. And only one, only one team runs on this idea that we shouldn't keep spending but they all spend one just lies about it to be perfectly honest yeah Um, but really the balance sheet should be should be equal we should just you know you'd love to take in a little bit extra and then have it as a surplus in case we need it for an emergency or something like that but we're i mean we're so far in the hole it's it's not even honest to god it shouldn't even be a concern because it's so ridiculous it's like you can't even fathom it
0: yeah, there's no savings plan. They don't get no, to put money aside. No, zero inside. savings plan. Yeah. Zero. We'll it's never like, be out of, we'll never be out of that just, debt. That
1: debt they're is throwing just
0: there. Money. They're throwing money at that's us, it. and then we spend it, and then that's how that goes. Pretty much. Good.
1: Yeah. But back to Dude. Joe uh, moderating, because I feel like the, a cool thing about Joe moderating a debate would be that he called people on bullshit.
0: Yeah, or even if he didn't, let's say he was being more like he is on his podcast, and he's just listening, you know, and trying to get people their, their spot, he's still going to pause and be a little bit kind of like, really yeah Re- what really well, like I, mean, I don't think he's gonna fully let someone get away with a bullshit answer
1: well i mean just, i would love look there's two things i'd love to see i'd love to see joe rogan moderate a debate with trump and whomever the democratic nominee is and i also like to see joe rogan um do play-by-play for a ufc match with trump and whoever his <laughs> whoever his opponent is <laughs> I think both would be equally phenomenally entertaining. Oh, God, because I Because I think Trump gets his ass kicked either way.
0: Well, but as fun as that is, well, not if it's Bernie, um, I, no, yeah. it, the, the worst part about that is, let's say it starts as a joke, but then all of a sudden it's the most watched event in history. It would be. And now that becomes a thing.
1: It would be like the Seinfeld finale.
0: Oh, dude. It, there's no way you wouldn't watch... Um, Trump in a cage fight. I want like it's finding, ridiculous. Like, is like you, the only way people wouldn't watch it is if there was a massive effort to boycott it, and then people did it out of that. Like, oh no, this is this is what I believe in. This shouldn't go this way because then people will watch it. Otherwise, everyone's yeah, fucking no. watching that. Every, Forget TV. Every Everyone Dem- forever.
1: Every Democrat is watching that, and mm. and ninety Republicans
0: of Re- are buying all the tickets.
1: Oh, absolutely. Well. Uh, They'll watch it on pay per view. Yeah, Republicans yeah. will watch it because they just love that shit anyway.
0: Not yeah, it'd be awesome. anything wrong
1: with that? I'd be but,
0: totally uh, down. Totally down. It'd be awesome. So I'm in. We 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 got some uh, great guests for this week. Yes. Okay. There was a long intro, but uh, thanks for hanging in there, people. We got Alonzo Bowden. Alonzo has been on the podcast before. Great comedian, fantastic, fantastic. person. Uh, has met Mark's girlfriend. I yes, found out re- she was
1: telling me shoulder shoulder as we podcast. were listening. She was like, I met him in an NPR event. He really Look nice. Taller th- taller than I thought.
0: Ooh, Alonzo's a badass. Very, mm-hmm. very funny. So that's that's podcast 1331. Mm-hmm. Then we have Annie Letterman, 1332. I didn't know a ton about Annie, but I love all these comedians coming on right now. I you I too. wonder, well, you know, he Joe's... Joe's gearing up now for his big tours. He just mm-hmm. did the one with Chappelle. He do more of those. He's got his hour together. He's really just ready to hammer it. He's just crushing it at a very new level. I mean, he's he's like stadium big now. This is... Yeah. Dude, it's ridiculous. The last five years, like he's just completely blown up. And there have been people bigger than him, and there still are. You know, like Sebastian can sell out Madison Square Garden. I mean, Joe mm-hmm. is not there. Louis was doing it before Louis happened to have what happened. Mm-hmm. I guess G- Jim Gaffigan is probably the next bigger guy that can f- sell out big places. Yeah. But I'm telling you, if you're looking at graphs of growth, I don't know in the next few years. I don't know who's if that similar level of growth. Who's going to be bigger than Joe? when it comes to selling these these places out. So, you and me. But what I 100% yeah. <laughs> what I love about this though is I think during this time of the year is when he really connects with comedians the most. Mm-hmm. And I can't talk for every type of Joe Rogan fan, but I mean even before I was doing any stand up, I always loved having the comedians on because you get to hear Just even if you pull one little intelligent nuance out of each podcast that directly relates to comedians, that's gold. Because you can't get it anywhere else. And no one was listening before. This was always just private conversations between pro comedians. right? And a lot of people are listening to this. So even though it's a very specialized little art form that even Rogan fans are not all that into actually pursuing,
1: mm-hmm. the
0: knowledge of how it works is is floating around the ether. And I like to fucking pick that shit up. Hell yeah. It's it's great. It's really good. So, Alonzo, without further ado, Alonzo. That was a- He's I guess he's he's investing in the in the new weed system. He's liking what's going on with this thing. Mm-hmm. Like, national we what is your take you you have some bits in your in your new act that is uh hitting up going to the going to the dispensary the i know yeah it. yeah so when you're looking at it from the outside like it's changing so quick right. right now it's just i don't know who the fuck runs all these dispensaries oh dude
1: it's like walking into an apple store now
0: yeah no it is
1: it's 100% like that like i mean it's like no, it's like walking in to a, an Apple Store store if a lobby was a massage therapy place. So it's all like this transcendental music, and it's very calming in the front, and then you walk in the back, and it's like Apple Store mania, and it's just like all these knowledgeable people with just like it's so overwhelming. Like the girl that the first time I ever bought weed, she was like, "You look like Bambi just found out his mom died." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my god, there's so much here and I knew nothing and I knew nothing about it, but I was very intimidated by the whole process."
0: Yeah, I always pretend I know a hell of a lot more than I know. You know a lot. Which though. is fucked up because I've been smoking weed for like 20 years. But you get in there and it's like they went to weed college. They totally
1: went to weed college.
0: It's like, "Wait, what?" And they're like, "This strain and this strain," and you're just like, "Hold on. A lot of it's a bit woo-woo though to be honest if you ask like any scientific questions sure and i mean you're talking about like they they've got a lot of quote-unquote strain knowledge mm-hmm. but sometimes they're not even that sure how to define strain
1: It'd be like walking then, into an herb store You'd be like, which one's good for immunity? And they're like, but this one aligns your meridians with your chakras and the solar system and constellations. You'd be like, okay, but scientifically, what does it do with omega threes and blah blah blah? And yeah. the look on their face is like, oh, I don't know. Like, but I have no, you, But I have crystals.
0: <laughs> you hit the nail on the head. That's where it breaks down. Yeah, because they be they, you know, they jump from what the strains are. And maybe even what the levels of T C are to the, all these claims, right. well, which I, is like, okay, that's a stretch.
1: And, and 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 that's fine because to be perfectly honest, they're you know they sales associates. They, to understand on a molecular molecular level what happens, it's kind of a bit ridiculous to expect that of them. I um I liken it to two years in L.A. when I worked at a shoe store. Um, yes, I've heard all the Al Bundy jokes, and they wanted me to learn everything like the science of stuff and i'm like no I'm, I'm not gonna do that like they'll sell or they won't but like I, my knowledge of like molecules and selling these shoes is not gonna really make the difference in one way or the other i could have very well been wrong but i didn't care enough to find out and it's kind of that way it's like i you can't expect them to get that knowledgeable about that stuff yeah.
0: Yeah, it's not necessary now. Marijuana though is a little different than shoes. It is um, only because you know you're going to go into space. And it's true. Don't smoke t- your shoes. It's also telling people that this shit cures cancer when they might just need to go to the regular doctor. Yeah, is probably that's a good really, idea too.
1: That's a t- that's a hard sell, man. Like well, and, some, and, and, they and make
0: some stretches. That's
1: really irresponsible. Really, really responsible to even make that assumption that, that that's not different from and that's entirely different from saying CBD helps with joint pain and relaxation because they've been able to do clinicals on that they've been able to study that but the idea that you can take a terminal illness and cure it with like that's really irresponsible because there's no data to back it up and you and I were having a conversation about data yesterday weren't we
0: well it's just the fact that you know i mean we You made that comparison with Apple. I mean, you know, Steve Jobs, his biggest regret before he died is that he didn't go full-on into, like, the woo-woo crystal healing. And he had done more traditional Western healing. He would have probably lived. Yeah. So, you know... 100%. There's a bit of a balance. It's like, look, it is doing some good, but don't get carried away. If you're fucking going to die, then go to a regular doctor. Weeders is mostly just fun.
1: And I'm very much for... Um, Eastern medicine uh, you know, I do acupuncture it works wonders the herbs uh, herbs work phenomenally when I get sick I take this immuno herbal remedy and it helps it's not placebo it really helps but that is entirely different than something that is incredibly terminal and when it comes to that when it comes to that you've got to go with what's been Proven to be the most effective so far. That's not to say that there's not something out there on the east, you know, on the eastern side of medicine that is as effective, if not more. We just don't know definitively, yeah. and you well, got to play the odds, right?
0: Well, you just got to prove it. Yeah. Okay. So it, it it's the problem with the eastern side of medicine mm-hmm. is they don't have money to do a lot of the case studies yeah no clinical trials so but like there's that. guaranteed there's a bunch of good shit over there because 100%. this is anecdotal and it's we tried and tried and tried now no rhino horn is not gonna make your dick bigger but mm. there is some stuff over plenty of stuff over there like they're all full into garlic and a bunch of other things that are super good for you sure. this is where the next point came up is alonzo and joe were talking and joe gets a lot of stem cell shit yes done. that was now, fascinating man well, on the other end of the spectrum of like just assuming weed is good for you and making these claims, um, you know, and I mean, weed is good for you, but bold claims about all these specific things that it does. And I've, I've, we had a CBD oil salesman in my jujitsu gym recently. I met him in Catalina and I invited him out and he uh-huh. met my guys and he's real nice, nice guy. Cool. And, uh, um, Uh, not a dummy either used to be a lawyer his mother owns like one of the biggest law firms in the country Mm -hmm. but he's coming in and he he was making a lot of claims that just the way that you could hear he put the structure of his sentence together yeah it was like a lot of you know yes men in his community just saying oh you just rub that here and it does this and the absorption factor is x y and z and i'm like dude no i don't You know, you don't want to be a negative Nelly. But I'm like, there's no way that they know that that happens. That's not a way of talk. Like, these aren't any, nothing about this is scientific, what you're saying. It sounds cool. Sounds cool. I'd love to rub that on on my elbow and it feels better. But don't tell me that like 60% of the CBD can penetrate the damaged muscle area like all there's no
1: what no data where are you yeah just, where are you getting that from you're pulling it out of your ass is where you're pulling it from
0: well it sounds good right and it sounds he's good. arguing but then when it comes to stem cells we're talking about a highly researched highly dude there's there's there the government's trying to ban this and has been for a long time uh it really? was really Do- knocked on the head with with the bush Oh, yeah, because they were
1: using – but they're not even using – most stem cells aren't from um, fetal tissue anymore.
0: A hundred percent. Now, this is the weird thing about science. Mm -hmm. During that time, it was frustrating to a lot of people, and they were like, they're holding science back, but hold on. The beautiful thing that came out of that, Mm -hmm. even though at the time I didn't agree with it, but they found new ways to find – Well, look at it like this, right? You're fucking drilling for oil. And then all of a sudden, people say, you can't drill in Saudi anymore. And they're like, but we're full of oil. And like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you can't do it. You're not allowed this oil. Go. It goes against our religion. Yep. So then you develop these really advanced machines that can suck it out of a fucking carrot. Right. Sure, it's a lot more work. But then you have all these new avenues of, and you, and you have a much tighter science. Now, I think it was inadvertent. I don't think that was Bush's plan or any of the <laughs> the things that motivated that. But, but yep. sometimes you get, um, you know, you get these kind of these avenues well, of understanding that you never even thought you would go down because you didn't need to.
1: Well, what's the phrase? A necessity is the mother of invention.
0: Mm, yeah, perfect.
1: It's true. It's like the same as in art, too your limitations can be your biggest strength because it gives yeah, so, it makes you think creatively about solutions
0: so maybe we were lucky but also maybe the lesson here is don't lose hope, stay positive Yeah. If, if five of your doors close, let's look down a new road and don't get me wrong there were probably some people that could have used some of the original technology stem cells shit to keep them alive yep. but stuff takes time to develop and I think we're going to have a better understanding of products. I mean, Joe sent his mother down twice. Yeah, twice. For, for, for knee. A for a knee. knee. That's it. Because they were going to
1: give her a knee replacement surgery. And he was like, no, 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 no. Do this.
0: Well, that shit's so archaic, bro. We're so – we're yes. like – we're yeah. in the – we it's it sounds fucked up to say it. And I don't want to take anything away from orthopedic surgeons or any surgeons. But it's the dark ages. The mm-hmm. fact that we even have to chop into anyone – it means that we don't have good technology yet because it opens it up for massive infection,
1: oh, sloppy bad.
0: work, leaving your watch inside them, you know. Well, think and, about,
1: I mean, think so much surgery now is arthroscopic. So much. Yep. I mean, unless it's, unless it's something like brain surgery or heart surgery or lung surgery where they, you know, everything else is damn near arthroscopic.
0: They're getting a lot better. A
1: lot yep. better. I mean yeah. but if they have to do but if they have to just do like a valve repair that's going to be that's I wouldn't say minimally invasive but they're not cracking your chest open not like yeah. they used to shit they can thread a needle through a vein and get yeah. in there and it's it's insane
0: open heart surgery is pretty brutal I Oh man I I, I don't know if I ever told you this I've probably seen 50 open heart surgeries Like, and when I say seen them, I mean, I was, I could reach my arm out and touch the person. Do tell. Well, I was, um, in UNM and, uh, studying biochemistry and I wanted to be a med student. So I worked with a doctor called Dr. Levy out of Loveless Heart Center. And he was really known as being the most, um, I don't know, like most respected, it's a hard one to equate, but like a very well-known heart surgeon in Albuquerque, great guy. And my wife at the time, and we're not together anymore, but she worked in human resource for Loveless and knew him and would get me in. So even though I'm undergrad, I could go in and watch it. And he met me once he met me. I wasn't as young as other undergrads and I was, you know, intensely, passionate about learning this because I thought that was what I wanted to go into. Sure. So he was just cool to have me there. And, uh, you know, after 10, 20, 30 of them, you get very comfortable. He knows that I know where to stand and how to get out of the way. and, and just, there was a, there was an interesting energy in those rooms as well. It was fascinating because he would have oftentimes, you know, a medical resident, that was was kind of interning under him sure makes and sense. yeah doing their thing so you know you see some mistakes which is brutal to watch because you're like oh fuck did you just kill this person oh god and then but this is how they learn This is how they gotta learn they don't have a choice and right. then you also see just like how he would deal with things how he would break up the tension you know he'd be like hey does anyone know this song on pandora And it would be like playing Pandora and just like keeping it light and everyone's playing their parts. And it's like super serious because someone could die. But it's also very normalized because they do it all the time. And it has to be so you don't get overly stressed with kind of the whole process. It it just gives you like a fascinating insight into uh, these, these crazy events that go on. It's just something you never think about.
1: Did you throw up the first time or did you get nauseous the first time?
0: No, the very first time I went in, he actually did talk about, you know, if you feel sick or whatever, then, you know, you can just obviously leave. And like, I've seen people pass out and I was always fine. Dude, I could eat like bolognese and watch that shit. (laughs) It's just like a thing to me, though. I mean, as soon as I understood, it was like, oh, this process that I want to understand and kind of... See something pretty amazing happen, right? But, but again, like I'm saying, I mean, it. They would have to crack the whole chest open. Yeah. They put they they put the heart on bypass, and I'm not Mm -hmm. a doctor, so if I miss any stages, don't get upset with me. (laughs) Yeah, but don't be doing
1: open heart surgery at home based on this podcast, guys.
0: Dude, imagine if imagine if like the world now, for whatever reason, global warming takes off, everything blows up all electronics are done somehow the only remnants of technology is like our group of podcasts and someone is trying to re-engineer heart surgery off what i'm about to say
1: oh my god i just built an ikea tv stand and i fucked it up and (laughs) these
0: you always put something on backwards it's so fucked but anyway they would have so they have this machine that That is kind of not medieval, but it's interesting. It just has all these pumps and tubes, so you can see all the blood. So the blood just goes around that. That's keeping the patient alive. The heart just goes flat like a balloon. And then they fill the cavity with ice because it needs to be that nice and cold. Mm -hmm. And then the anesthesiologist is there with like these, you know, five or six like creamy, milky, white fluids that are called like propanol and these different things. And. You know, sometimes they beep and he just flicks them with his finger because they kind of get locked up and that keeps him somewhat, you know, asleep while he checks his Facebook. Right. And and that's it. They put you back together if things work and they were able to put the stint in and open the valve and, you know, then they sew you back up and you've got a, you've got a scar from, you know, your belly button to the top of your chest and thank God you're still alive.
1: Fucking A. That's Dude. That's wild, man.
0: Yeah. So the idea that we have all this science with stem cells and what we're able to do, which is what the hippies were saying forever, is like just inject shit back into your system and you and you and you work. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you heal yourself. That's that's what's gonna cause us to look back on this other chopping into people stuff and be ages, like
1: yeah.
0: It's well, they, the dark ages. And they're man. doing that
1: with hemoglobin too, your own hemoglobin. They'll extract it and um and then, I don't know, synthesize it, do some shit. They put it in a machine, it goes, Woo, and then they put it back into you and it stimulates stem cells or some shit like that. Again, oh, Jesus. again, if you're doing this at home, I probably missed a step. <laughs> but yeah, they use your own hemoglobin to um, create stem cells.
0: No, it's... I think when you made that like machine noise, I think you covered all the bits.
1: You think I got it? Yeah, well,
0: once they heard that, they'd be like, oh, that's oh, the G bit. They're like, I
1: got that machine here. The machine. They're like, the machine. they're like, Clara, get the machine. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just need it to create to fix my baldness. <laughs> That's People why are getting
0: I, confused and using their blender.
1: Oh my god! No, that would work. That would totally. Really? Gotta, you got to put it on the crush setting. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> Not the grind setting. No, I yeah, was actually I was looking into this because um a guy I you know was, he does marketing for a hair loss centers so he was like. Oh, my God, I'm working with these guys that do stem cells, and it's crazy. There's two two companies he works with, and one did they just... Hey, real quick. Yeah. So
0: keep this story going. I'm going to pee, and then I can I can walk away from the mic and pee.
1: All right, very well. I'm on it. Well, I can hear you because we're on the phone. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, um, a buddy of mine, he comes in, and he's like, I'm working for two types of companies. Um, one, uh, just injects stem cells directly into your head. And what it does is it doesn't create, it does, it doesn't stimulate your hair follicles because in male pattern baldness, what happens is, you, um, it's genetic and it works with your testosterone. And if you are predisposed to this genetic, uh, this genetic, um, abnormality, when you have testosterone mixed with that, it causes your hair follicles to die. Um, and your, hair's, your hair falls out. Um, that's why Propecia is such a successful hair loss drug, because it uh, inhibits your testosterone. Um, and so when it interacts with that gene, uh, it, when testosterone interacts with that gene, it causes the hair follicle to die. There's not enough testosterone to cause that hair follicle to die. That's why Propecia is so successful, except it has horrible sexual side effects because it's a one size fits all drug. So with stem cells, it's not bringing those hair follicles to life. It's creating all new follicles, which I thought was absolutely fascinating. The only question I had, and I'm sure they have a phenomenal answer for it, is um, if you inject it and you're getting new hair follicles, but you're still gonna lose the old hair follicles, they're gonna still die from the testosterone, do you have to go back? He seemed to think one or two treatments would do it. Now that'll run you four to eight grand. There's the other one that's a little cheaper where they synthesize the stem cells from your hemoglobin. They extract your own hemoglobin, synthesize it, and inject it back in. I don't think the success rate is as high, but it's also less risk financially. So that's mm-hmm. how I kind of learned about these stem cells because, um, because um, I might be losing my hair on the top.
0: You're gonna, in, you, you want to keep, you would inject some shit into your head? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Why not, right? If it was available. Yeah, I mean, I kind of want to do all the stages, though. I think I have a weird idea of, like, how I look. Like, I don't give a fuck. I don't want to, like, if I start going, but I'll just shave my head. You'd
1: look, like you look badass. I might look okay with a shaved head. I'd look I like, don't know.
0: I think people would think I'm a Nazi if I have a shaved head.
1: Yeah, they might.
0: They might. I don't know, but it's not gonna matter. Like, I am not that, so I, I think can po- I'm just. I'm just so white that true. I that people like you know tan people with shaved heads look great. White I think people I'd... with shaved heads look bad.
1: Yeah, I think I'd look like a professor. Hmm.
0: But yeah, I'm just willing to do the stages now. I think in my 20s, I would have cared more. I don't give a fuck. I didn't care that much then. I, get I didn't it. even care about the clothes. Even even when I wear nice clothes out to a place, I'm just like, none of this shit's uncomfortable. I always say it to my girlfriend. I'm like, I cannot do a spinning kick in this. And she's like, why in God's <laughs> name do you need to do that? I'm like, you might need to. You might, you might need might. to do that. And she thinks, she thinks I'm being funny. I'm serious. I'm serious.
1: Uh, I know you're serious. And those well. listening at home know you're serious as well. <laughs> yeah. Or as I fall commute. over
0: because I never knew how to do a good one anyway. It's like, <laughs> nice try. That's the perfect nice.
1: excuse. I would have totally taken this dude out, but I was in a suit and I can't do a spinning kick in my suit.
0: I, yeah, so, I sucked.
1: Therefore, it sucked crime out. was allowed to fester in this part of the city.
0: Well, I think we've added to the science debate, as well as Joe and Alonzo, with the same sort of scientific knowledge.
1: I agree. We've waited you, in. You've got a lot of scientific knowledge, sir. I have. I don't.
0: I, I don't know. I, I
1: went I, to uh, the medical school of Scrubs and Grey's Anatomy and a little bit of House MD.
0: <laughs> oh, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you It fascinates me though I, I think it's cool. I mean saying that it's funny Joe has way more experience with stem stem cells than I do. you sure I'm does. sure he knows yeah, I'm sure he knows more than I do. I don't know
1: well, and that, that much.
0: I've read some things, but I've never experienced them, and I'm really fascinated with with how they work well, yeah and but shit's... look let, so we don't get caught up on this right. Let's get to something that is is really far more interesting to both of us. Alonzo talks about obviously the first time he met Joe. And I yeah. loved it because again, it's one of those things. this is you know it's easy for people to be like, "Oh Joe is super nice now, he's super famous all this." But back in the day he wasn't. he was just he just got news radio, you yeah. know and um, uh, he was getting gigs. you know people kind of knew who he was, but he was very young and, but he was always good to know any comic that he liked that he wanted to hang out with. Alonzo was one, yeah. and they went up to the Montreal comedy festival 90s which goddamn mark hopefully we get to do that we will one day i'm sure we will um but here's the lessons right this is this is the shit that i like to talk about it's not like just a review of oh this is what they said but also what do i take away from this and when he said look he found people he liked and he knew he could get booked and he took them with him and encourage cool. them like there was never I, I don't, I just don't get the feeling that he was ever the guy that was like look it's cool that you do well but I've got to make sure that I do weller than you Yeah, the most wellest <laughs> like no he's, he's saying look you're good you need exposure like come out do this yeah and I think it's
1: really fucking cool
0: he never seems to let people down it's not like anyone comes back years later and they're like well he was cool for a bit but then he was a bit of a dick
1: well, he also was doing pretty well already, and I think he had confidence too. He's like, mm. "I'm good." He's like, "There's no reason." You know, John Calipari, coach of the University of Kentucky Wildcats, has this famous phrase: "He's everybody eats," and I love that. He said, "Everybody eats," and what it means is all his players get playing time. The best ones, um, you know, if you're on the team and you are good enough to play, you get to play. And that means, you know, one guy, who you know, Anthony Davis, who was like the number one pick, one of the best NBA players that even exists today. He like was fourth in scoring or maybe even fifth in scoring. But he was like, everybody eats because you're and I love that philosophy. And it's kind of the same thing with Joe. It's like, everybody eats. You guys are good. You're coming with me. You get to get to fucking do this, too, because I'm fine. I know I'm good. I'm not worried about it. Let's spread the love.
0: Yeah, I mean, Joe talks about it. It's, it's like the feast or famine. And, yeah. and it's easy to assume that there's only so much food to go around because, because scarcity exists in the sense of finite resources.
1: Well, and, uh, you and, know,
0: there's only so many steaks in the world. Can everyone eat one? But I don't know. It, here's the thing when it comes to something like stand up or something that you're pursuing well, maybe people want it and they don't even know. Mm -hmm. So it's more about just getting the information to them so everyone can choose. And that's only supported by the fact that the comedy store is sold out every fucking night now. It's like people have always wanted great stand-up. They just didn't know where to go, where it was, how it worked, whether it was consistent, whether there were enough people. And and now it's there. So I think what it is is the idea of these untapped – infinite gold mines and yeah. once you're in there you don't need to be selfish with the gold that you're picking up no you just need to point it to other people they're gonna love you forever and everyone's coveting gold exactly
1: right? it's it, true it's
0: a that seems like that seems like a beautiful way of doing it and yeah I, not
1: all not all comics are like that that's for sure but joe is uh, and that's cool
0: well not many people are like that yep. so it's a hard thing to remember, but I love hearing these guys that have done really well, and a lot of them, I think if you're in the the comedy store world and community, which you know I'm speaking out of turn because I don't really know, but just from the podcast I've heard and the many, many hours of it, it's like, yeah, you've gotta be someone that we wanna hang out with, like it's yeah, more than true. just you being hilarious, that's really important, but it's but it's like you know what are you bringing to the community you gotta hang. Yeah, you you gotta be fun, and I and I love how they like really push that stuff around. Yep, you know it, it's beautiful. Uh, another thing that's interesting is they brought up Mitch Hepberg, right? And Mitch Hepberg was obviously a legend, the one-liner guy, and he he said that look, I'm a comedian, so now you want me to be an actor or a writer? Right. And it was always this big, like, question mark bloop. And I think with him, it was it stood out more than maybe other people. One, because he was really big before he passed away, before he died. Right. And But not just that. It was like when you're a one-line joke writer, you're not necessarily going to be a very good writer in the sense of, like, making a show. Because that's a very difficult show to make. Mm-hmm. You're not really writing skits. Writing jokes
1: is very different than writing sketches or story. Period. And he
0: was never going to be an actor. Mitch right. was. Mm-hmm. That was not his thing. Some people so, just want
1: to be comics.
0: Yeah, but but they, but the, all three of those things in so many ways are different. I know but there are people that cross over. And I think that's why they're like, no, 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 you can do it too. You just got to try and do it. But... But if anything, it's almost polar opposites between actors and comedians.
1: Very much so. Well, that's why I think a lot of the times you see a lot of these comedians, they're just, a lot of them are just doing their their bits on these shows. Like uh, Stephen Wright, um, he would be on Mad About You, and he was just the guy he did on stage. Like they just got him to do exactly what he made him funny on stage. There was no effort to give him an arc. Or to add to his character, they're like, just be as funny as you are on stage. And you see that a lot of times with comics. Like Mark mm. Maron, there's no daylight between Mark Maron the comic and Mark Maron the actor. Like, he's just bringing his Mark maron to the role. That's wonderful, and he's really good at it. And I'm not saying Mark Maron isn't a really good actor, because I actually think he's an excellent actor on GLOW. Um, and his show before that, that was on IFC. But um, there's no there's no stretching there. Nobody's tr- nobody's trying to get Mark Maron to play Salieri and, um, and Amadeus or anything like that. That's just he's Mark Marin. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and I think that's the key. I think yeah. that and that's when you get the best out of comics. Like look at Robin Williams. His best movies were when you got Robin Williams. Yeah. Out of the part, and it was like this is who this lunatic was. Jim Carrey, same way. Like yep. yeah, you can you can move him a little bit. But I mean, it wasn't until he started doing like horror movies. Everyone's like, "What the fuck is this?"
1: I Stop. know. Get the fuck I know. out of here. And that's this, this double edged sword is wanting to stretch yourself as an artist, but you've made your, you've become niche in terms of like what you do well, and then broadening your horizons. That's that can be sometimes difficult for an audience. It just is. They want maybe it a lot of times.
0: Yeah, maybe. But um, maybe they, maybe they forgot what they were. Wanting to do in the first place.
1: You, a lot of times you gotta, yeah, I mean, yeah, it can. Or you make them believe you can do something else. Mm. You redefine yourself. It's happened.
0: What do you know about the Ice House? They talked a bit about the Ice House on this podcast. I know a I, little I really bit. It. I know a You've little bit. You've never performed there?
1: No, I've had an opportunity to do bringer shows there, but that's hard because all my friends are like on the west side and that's Pasadena. And it's just, yeah, like, it's tough enough getting to pe- getting people to come out to. The comedy store, which is the biggest comedy club on earth, it is the mecca, and it's like it's a kind of a no small feat to perform there, and it's still difficult to get people. So to have people to to get bringer shows, and for those of you listening who don't know what a bringer show is, is basically you get on stage if you bring X amount of people. So they'll say you got to have six people, Um, or you just buy six tickets, and then you know you're out but then you're it's kind of a pay to play and that can be i mean you don't want to do that especially if you're performing a lot you just can't afford it um so pasadena is you know to give you guys an example it's about 20 miles away from where i am more like 25 30 miles from where you are um yeah and all our friends are in this area i have a few friends over on kind of the east side of los angeles but i can't bet that they're going to come every time and I don't want to leave a bad impression either so I just haven't jumped at the opportunity to do it because it's it's really goddamn stressful and I'm like my energy should be towards my set not stressing out about getting making sure enough people come to my show
0: yeah I gotcha, you. well you're in a weird spot because you're doing you know fairly legit pro shows yeah. almost all the time with a limited uh social media in the sense of you know, you can't just post something and people you don't even know show up, which is takes so much pressure off. You have to get, right. people, have to get people to come. And you, you, maybe you could get people a couple of times for the Ice House if you pushed it. You're like, listen, this is I'd important to, to really me. You know, you know, I'd be out and blah, blah, blah. People would come. But doing it every month would become more of a headache than the, the stand-up tough. portion. And it's and it's, it's the weird points in, in stand-up comedy too when you're learning – to give an idea of how difficult things are. Oh, and real quick, people. If you have friends that do stand-up comedy and you like them at all and it's not too much of an asshole, like, yeah, I mean, pain in the ass to go out and fucking go to their show, try and do it. Do it, man. Because, yeah, just do it. Because they can't do this without you and it's hard enough. You're to have to support. And, dude, I'm telling you, it's not going to be the worst thing you could be doing with your time. Like, it's still going to be worth it. Yeah. It's still fun there. It's a bit of an effort, but there's a lot of stupid shit. They when when I hear how many people go to movies that are absolute garbage and they're like, Yeah, I went there and I took my girlfriend and we took one of our kids and it was this popcorn and it still came to like eighty bucks. I was yeah. like, Oh my god, you could have done you could have done so much more. Go see some good comments. Go see fucking-
1: The cool thing about doing the shows I'm I've been doing is like You know there's a couple comics in there that they're going to be successful. There's a couple in there. There's one my friend, Jess. um, She is an epic hustler. She's like in some NBC universe like competition in New York right now. She just made the semifinals. She did not even. Fuck been, yeah. She's been doing this half a year, but she's funny and she's got interesting material. because She's a lesbian and she talks about being a lesbian and dreading dating a straight girl and things like that. And she's a great fucking comedian and an even better person, Justin Zara. And she's doing so well. And it's like, she, I did two shows with her I didn't even get to see her set the first time Because the show was sold out and they made the comics get out So I'm just hanging out in the back of their comedy store Saw Hannibal Buress and Eliza Schlesinger And I was like oh this isn't the worst thing ever um, I didn't even You were telling me how great she was And then I saw her the next time And then like she and I like hung out like a week later And we've been tight ever since Because she's fucking cool ass broad And we still message and shit And I'm so fucking proud of her because She's awesome um, Dude, she's
0: very funny that chick is hilarious super
1: funny and unbelievably intelligent and um, she's gonna I mean like she's gonna make this happen like she is she is driven she, she's gonna make this happen you could have seen her for 10 bucks could have seen her for 10 bucks you'd be like oh my god I saw her when she was just starting out she was awesome and there's other comics like that man there's a go see those shows those are cool especially at the comedy store go see those shows there's gonna be yeah, some duds. feel
0: us yeah. Fearless. Well, I mean, this is just like the next guest. So Annie yes. Letterman. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know a ton about her until, yeah, until she popped up. But She's at the Comedy Store all the time. There's plenty of stuff you can watch. But then when you listen to the podcast, like she's coming from interesting stories, mm-hmm. you know, directions of life that, to be honest, if somebody was like, how exactly do you want your life to go? And people right. like, get married, picket fence, parents love me, get a good job, make good money, retire young, t- you know, take care of my family. This is, th- that's the path.
1: Mm-hmm. Not to say
0: everyone wants that, but I mean, we're talking if you got to play your video game person, that's where it's at. Well, Annie didn't have that life. Right. She had a crazy one. And like Joe says so often, like most of the best comics I know had fucked up lives. Yeah. I mean, that's what makes him interesting.
1: Pain is comedy. Um, Pain is funny.
0: It kind of is. So the, it's it's bittersweet that the first one of the first things she brought up was Brody, right? Brody yeah. Stevens and his death and you know, he committed suicide and she was sad that she just she was just like, God just the idea that that he couldn't feel all the love, you know, enough to not have that happen I know, and yeah. i don't know who else has had like mark and i at the place we work we had a suicide last year from yeah. from a, a, a person that we cared about as well and i i worked with him you know intimately and would even talk to him about some of these things you could see his pain it's just it was it's hard he was
1: really it's hard lame. it's hard
0: yeah it sticks with you it sticks with you you know you just wish that you could say something else like fuck like, dude, I know. Like it's it's hard to get through to people, and sometimes you don't know their pain. And I think other people, like the fact that Annie even brought it up, is like she's had these types of pains to some degree.
1: Yeah, and
0: she and she feels for people like that. And oh, dude,
1: man, um, seventh grade, I almost threw myself out a window. When I no was, way! Yeah, middle school. It was. Um, I was. I, I had anxiety. I the pressure of school and like I was a kind of a meek, sweet kid. So a lot of bullies, a lot of getting picked on. And there was one day that, it, and it was, and it's really true. I thought this is never going to get better. This is all I have to look forward to, and I didn't want to do it anymore. My mom caught me. Um, I mean she caught me about to do it. She stopped me. Um and it's so funny, she was like, You idiot she goes, you would have only broken your leg. I was like, I was going out head first. And I, and the look on her face when I said that, cause she was like, Oh my Christ, my son is serious about this And I was. Wow. So it was absolutely serious. Um and oh I feel uh, to this day I I feel horrible cause like went and saw therapists and all that stuff. My parents were not well off as it were. And now they're worried about their oldest son trying to kill himself because he's so upset. But I remember that I will vividly remember that. And I'm, I'm a very well balanced person. I think now I'm very happy person, very content, really love my life. Everything's going really well. But I remember those days, even though I was a kid, and that's even probably, it's probably even harder for kids because just emotions are pumping through you and you have zero skills on how to deal with them. Um, but I remember that. I remember thinking, I don't think this gets better. And that's a horribly dark place to be in. Imagine you, when you're an adult and you have all the skills and abilities to cope with it and it's still that bad. It's rough. Well, it's
0: fucked, isn't it? Because you think that uh, you think that these things will be unveiled to you as you age. And that's not really how it is. It's no. Like All these stages feel just as real. You could be 16 and break up with your girlfriend and it is as traumatic as anything you could ever experience because the emotion is real. Absolutely. But then you get no sympathy from mostly everyone because they're like, oh, listen, kid, it gets way tougher than this. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. But you can only deal with what you know how to deal with at Mm -hmm. any given time. The the scary thing, I think, is when it gets into adulthood. And Joe talks about – uh, Anthony Bourdain yeah. and how that is his friend and he had money and he had access to everyone in the world and was respected and but people love that guy and what an incredible dude and still did that as well. Yep. So it's like, wow. It's like, where is the safety? You know, it's not just a thing about like being a kid and, and moving away from it. Mm-hmm. It's that
1: you bring I don't up know. A, are these
0: sensitive fucking. They talk. Uh, I don't know if you heard. You remember this bit of the podcast? But they were they were talking about how these. There's this video they played of these like quote unquote super woke kids, like university kids, mm-hmm. talking to each other about you know um, calling each other comrade. No, right? and then. They're saying like this is how we're gonna, you know, conduct this forum and blah blah blah. And then somebody puts their hand up and they're like, you know, I just want you, I just want you to know that I am one of those individuals that's very sensitive to movement, and I don't and, like there's a lot of chatter and a lot of moving, and it's making it very difficult for me to to like concentrate. Mm-hmm. So if everyone could stop moving right now and and chattering, that would be great. So I could concentrate. Sure. And they were like understood. Thank you, comrade. And then someone else asked the question and they were like, can you not use these gender pronouns um, because I'm feeling threatened? And I'm just like, I'm trying to be sympathetic. But what the fuck is going well, on in that room?
1: Here's the – i mean, there's a difference between supporting someone, supporting someone emotionally – and being there for someone versus the idea that sometimes if you're the caterpillar, you got to fucking burst through that cocoon to become the fucking butterfly. And, and I feel like we as a society have reached critical mass on this question versus uh, the, the idea of supporting people and their needs and their wants and their feelings versus also understanding that, Sometimes you have to fight through those things to be stronger on the other side and to be able to develop skills to interact in modern day life. So, if somebody's like, yo, all this movement, it's very difficult, it's distracting, and I appreciate that they want to be um, considerate to that. But at the same time, dude, the world is this shit. Like, I'm sorry, we use gender pronouns, the world uses gender pronouns. That is not to say that we shouldn't respect someone who asks to be referred to in a specific way, because that is their specific request. So if they prefer the gender pronoun of they, or and forgive me, I'm just not as woke on this subject as not. But like if somebody, if, if if they're trans and they prefer her, even the, they identify as a her, so they prefer her, or they prefer, I don't know, it. That's probably not a thing, but like you know. I, I don't even know, you can respect that request, but the world moves on as it is, and it's advisable to begin to understand to deal in that world, because that's how it is. Now, we can always work to change it, but you also have to understand that this is the world we live in, and not everybody has to accommodate to everyone's requests. I, I, I don't know, I feel like I'm rambling, but at the same time, it's like, there is a fine line between no, respecting that's someone... And also understanding is like, you know, sometimes you got to hit a couple fastballs. You can't just be Honestly,
0: going. man. Yeah. If somebody, I take Joe's stand on this. If somebody's like, you know, call me, I'm like, all right. Cool. You only Done. have to tell me once, but don't get pissed if I didn't check first because I'm exactly. not checking. I'm sorry. Not yet. It's not coming up enough to where I need to be like, oh, by the way, I'm, dude, it's hard enough for me to remember people's names. But if somebody is like, do you mind just saying this to me? And I already think that you're like, like reasonable enough for me to talk to like, and therefore I enjoy chatting with you. And listen, I'm not saying I need to enjoy chatting to everyone that wants a different pronoun, whatever. But like, if I do, I'm not going to disrespect you after that. I'd be like, cool. That's your thing. The, exactly but if then you raise your hand in the middle of us all hanging out and be like your hand movements are too aggressive and masculine i'm just gonna be like listen listen, listen kid stop okay stop, you need to, you need to you need to grow the fuck up because life just is a bit scarier than that i hate to say it it's just a bit scarier than that and this is when joe ends that podcast which I thought was beautiful. Talking to Annie about the reach of the podcast, right? So Annie yeah. said, "Look, I've seen this happen to you. Guys come up to you and they lose their ability to communicate
1: because Next they
0: shot. they see they've listened to Joe forever and they hold them on a pedestal, and it's like they've learned so much they don't even know what to do." What's interesting about the way Joe talks about it is he's like, it's just my job. It's just a thing. Yeah. I try and stay as ground as I can. So, to be honest, it's as weird for me to see them be weird as it is for me to deal with it. But I don't, I'm I not going to pretend like that's normal. Like, I'm going to be like, dude, you good? Just breathe. And, but the lessons there are like why people There's... really connect. And it's one of the few times he's sure. really talked about it. And he goes, you know, people, people don't have a lot of guidance. They no. don't always know which way to turn and and they also even when good knowledge is given to them if it's not coming from the right person they're not listening. Yep. So in so many ways if there was like an ignorance meter of like <laughs> ignorant people and it doesn't exist but let's say there was. Right. I would bet and when I say ignorance it's like we're not talking about smart people getting smarter. Universities have done that for a long time. Mm-hmm. Okay? Smart people have got smarter. Because they were smart and they wanted to learn and they learned more right how do you get the how do you get the dumb people to learn? I think that's what Joe Rogan has done, yeah, I think he has opened the door for like people that generally weren't willing to listen to things to be like, "Hold on a minute, what would you just say about weed' Because I do a lot of push ups bro." yeah and that's not cool for me well he's an avenue that's Inn. for losers and he's but, like well maybe it's not so maybe try it and do push-ups
1: the only business class i ever took in uh, college and they talked about avenues in how do you get people in how do you get people in to buy the product? And i call it avenue in joe is an avenue in because he's a man's man that talks about snowflake liberal pussy shit and people go okay interesting Let's. All right. I'll listen to this because Joe's talking about it. Joe's a man, man. Joe's a man's man. He's ripped. He does UFC. He hunts. Oh, but he's talking about universal health care. That's interesting. All right. Maybe we should. Talk, maybe I should listen to this guy.
0: Yeah. It will. It's. It's. It works well. Yeah. If you have. If you have a friend that you respect a lot, and it's. It's a masculine, strong energy friend. You know, maybe yeah. a mentor of sorts. And they talk to you about an issue you have quickly dismissed in your life because you think it's bullshit and it's weak and it's whatever. It it like you think that somehow, even by thinking about it and talking about it, it takes away from the strength that you're trying to create for yourself. Yeah. Then, you know, you become dismissive. But when someone's willing to talk about it and they have the strength that you feel you want, you're like, oh, this is a fucking avenue. Mm -hmm. This is a way of thinking. We could, we can listen to this. And I, and I love that he ended on that because it was yeah. a complete separation from that fucking bullshit meeting, which, to be honest, was, is not changing many people's minds at all. Mm-hmm. Those meetings are just like, what the fuck are we doing here, people? <laughs> right i don't know it's true I don't, I don't think it's persuasive i don't think the 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 net good that comes out of those things is all that useful yeah i think it's i think it's a bunch of lost little children a lot of echo just, chamber dude they're having a bit of a tantrum i well, don't know but, what else there is too but it. you
1: know they're also kids i, I don't know what people beat up on kids a lot too i'm like eh, they're just learning their way everybody gets their i i'd love to say this i even said this in college everybody has their kind of Their pet project, their activist project, their cause, if you will, in college. And then you get into the real world and you're like, I don't have time for causes. I got to make money. I got to put food on the plate. So, you know, and they're kids. And I think these are important things for them in development. And, you know, it, it, support versus solutions you know do we solve the problem for them or do we support them figuring out the solution for themselves and it's this you know and it's 50 50 on that but they're they're learning this shit and some of them are going to go one way some of them are going to go another but i feel like it's you know i feel like it's important that this is the way they're learning that shit right now and they'll get to hear varying opinions from people guys like us guys that are more sensitive, guys that are less sensitive than us. And they ultimately forge their own path. And this is just part of that. And then, you know, yeah. that's why my girlfriend and I ever talk about friends of ours, especially anybody that we know that's younger going through something. I'm like, it's part of it. They'll be okay. This is how they learn. These are, and I feel like I've reached that age now where I'm like, I'm not solving these problems anymore. They'll figure it out. It's okay. It's okay. Sometimes the pain and the struggle is important because it makes us stronger in the end. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt us in the long run. It's not, and I'm talking about normal everyday life stuff, not like traumatic events. Yeah, there, These are important things and you figure it out. I mean, shit, I think back to when I was 30 and how I didn't know anything. I feel like at 40, I am only just barely scratching the surface. At least was like, i was I just know enough to now know that I don't know that much. Versus thirties, I was like, "What? I don't even know how to do my taxes." So yeah,
0: and it, yeah, and these kids think they know everything.
1: Of course, and then the one day they'll realize they don't. Yeah, because all kids think they know everything.
0: Yeah, it's but it, it just seems like people are, are being forced to listen to them way more than they ever were before. Probably, and Probably. that's not good because State I think world. what you just highlighted is that that time of your life is like no. You, you, you're you figuring it out, but you shouldn't be listened to. Not that yeah, much. no. You, you should really not shouldn't. be taken seriously by much older people. I hate to say it. Because you're just... You're forming your way. You haven't lived. You're, yeah. You, you're gonna... you get there. You haven't Who lived. Who fucking knows? Who knows? Right, the last bit of this. MMA 74. We're always gonna... We're gonna kind of cruise over the MMA ones a little bit. Um, only because... Really... They're kind of opinion pieces, but there are a lot of just fight news, and it's very specific. Right. So I do understand that not a ton of people listening are that into it. I really like it, though. Yeah, so if you listen love- to my podcast, you've got to put up with it because because I'm into it. But I I am cognizant of the fact that it's not for everyone. Um, so Brendan Schaub, good friend of Joe's, Uf- ex-UFC fighter, just had an hour comedy special on Showtime. Mixed reviews. Um, He jumped in maybe a little bit too soon, but uh, I've seen him live plenty of times. He's a legit comic and um, really just, just quite a fascinating dude. A big podcaster too. So he comes on talking about Colby Covington. Now Colby, Mark, is a UFC, I think he is the Shit, I don't want to get this wrong. The bantamweight champion, uh-huh. um, he's a light, lighter weight champion. He just bought, just beat Robbie Lawler, five rounds, crushed him. Mm-hmm. Colby is a beast. Like he, he's kind of where uh, May, uh, McGregor would be fighting okay. right now, and um, yeah, he's also the type of champion where people want him to lose, and he's kind of banking on that. He's kind of building that Mayweather type of energy. Where it's like he can get massive, not as the people's champ, but as the people's enemy, and that's pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a beast; he's an absolute beast. He's a he's a cardio machine. I mean, what Robbie Lawler is the—he's a very scary-looking dude. He almost has like this bit of a Neanderthal thing going on. Uh-huh. M- my apologies, Robbie. Big forehead, <laughs> fights to the death. Like he's just a mean beast of a man but a nice dude like he and he's fought in the UFC for so long to watch him get squashed by Colby was really exciting and I love to get I love to get the talk back from Brendan about that and also what is kind of opening up for him in the UFC a weird thing is happening in the UFC right now too Mark because it's getting so massive now it's on ESPN yeah that it's it's creating almost like a, a a life of its own that even the fighters don't know how to focus on, you know. I think I think it's not just like it was. It's not just like oh, I'm going to be the next Conor McGregor, but um um no, I'm not just going to be the next champion. I'm going to be the next Conor McGregor. I'm not going to be the next champion. I'm going to be the next Ronda Rousey. Right, right, right. Like, you know you it's it's like when people go into the nba they want to be the next michael jordan it's not just about being the best player but they didn't have this avenue before right and now in the weirdest way the ufc has made some of the biggest athletes ever i there's definitely an argument with that with connor
1: oh for sure i don't even know anything about mma i can barely spell it but i know connor's good
0: yeah i mean connor mcgregor is and they, you know there'd be more once you get one, you get more. Absolutely. So it changes the dynamic. And it's fun for me because I've watched this shit on and off since ninety four, since the beginning. Holy shit. Nobody yeah. took this shit seriously till really, I would say, till like two thousand five. Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz, was, yeah, Franny those were Couture. the two
1: I remember I was uh I was on set with some guy and he started talking to me about this and I was like, ah, I don't know what you're talking about, but I remember those two names, Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz.
0: There we go. And that's yep. that's why I picked those points. I'm sure there's others, but I mean, to see where it is now is just so beautiful to kind of get that energy. And it's kind of ironic that I do this and it's about Joe's podcast because Joe wouldn't have had to have been on the UFC at all for me to have the, like, it would still be my sport. Right. It just would. It's just fucking brilliant that he is too because... He was so good early on, even way before I did Jiu Jitsu, of it, it, like trying to help you understand what the fuck was happening. Because I used to watch Strike Force and Pride and the other, like Elite XC, these other fight divisions, and they would have commentators that were more like just regular like hi and look at him and here he is and this is what he's doing but they weren't fighters they were Mm -hmm. commentary they were just commentators they had interesting voices but they didn't really know the intricacies of what the fuck was going on when two giant guys had just squashed each other on the ground and everyone's wondering why is nothing happening why are you not punching each other stand them up let's get to the action I'm, I'm used to fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Let's go. of course. <laughs> but then when, when you get somebody that really knows the intricacies of jiu-jitsu and then he's like, oh, he's hooked his leg. And what you're seeing here is he's going to put his right leg over here and his left leg this way. And he's going to try and move to that mount. And that completely stops him doing anything. Then he's completely held up and he can grab the wrist and go for a Kimura. And then you're like, oh, my God, I think I know what a Kimura is. Obviously, you don't. <laughs> right? Obviously, you don't till you train, but it helps a little bit, right? It's almost like sure. when you watch one of those documentaries on Netflix that talk about Einstein's theory of relativity. You don't know shit about relativity by the end of it. You but know you know nothing. what? You can You can tell a story to someone else. Yeah. You can sit there, eat potato chips and be like, well, obviously time was an issue and then space and, and space. then they bend and, you know, stuff. You've got it just kind of puts a bit of like a basic picture together. Right. And, and that made that made the parts of the commentary and in him in the sport really fascinating. And again, it's no luck that UFC became the biggest of all of those because I always thought pride was the best early on.
1: Right, I remember Pride fighting, yeah. They had
0: better fighters, they had crazier shit going on. It just was like they it was more intense. But I think that it had some certain aspects that were missing. Like Dana White was is always been a fucking crazy asshole. And not an asshole like he's a great guy. I've met him before. Like but I just mean crazy in the sense of like he knew what he wanted, no apologies. He pushed forward. He was he was a big kind of celebrity end for sports
1: yeah
0: and you, you're a sports guy right so yeah when it comes to like nobody owns the nba right nobody owns the nfl they right. just own teams well how is it different than dana white is like the face the voice the president of ufc are there like equivalent people in other sports or not really
1: well i mean you have commissioners so um you know you have you have Commission, baseball, football, basketball—they don't really—they don't own it. Um, I'm not even sure if they're publicly traded companies. I imagine. I mean, shit. Until a couple years ago, the NFL was um, was a nonprofit. It was considered nonprofit, and uh, it was Goodell who wanted to. Um, I think that's his name. Forgive me if I'm. Wrong. I don't wrong. like football, but I know enough about it. Um, they didn't want to disclose what he made, and you have to when it's non-profit. So I think that's why they went, because he makes like $50 million and gets a private jet. So that's your kind Williams. of your equivalent, but they set agendas. They set things for the sport. Um, but, you know, uh, or you have associations, like tennis. That's an association. So you can say Djokovic or Federer or Serena Williams is the face of it. They're not going nah, to. No, but
0: they're just, not. They're just actors within it. That's like saying McGregor exactly. would be for UFC, but he's not. Exactly. I mean, it's who's behind the scenes. And I and I, and that's, that's what really drove it because there's two people. It's Joe Rogan mm-hmm. and Dana White. And they've been yeah. very vocal and very outspoken and very much them. And they've stuck to their principles. I mean – You know, people used to give Dana White a hard time early on that Joe Rogan was such an open advocate for marijuana. And -hmm. they used to say things like, hey, Dana, you need to stop Joe talking about marijuana because he represents your sport.
1: Mm -hmm. You know what's funny
0: about that? You know, the biggest sponsor to the UFC is right now a fucking weed company. So suck my balls. Suck Suck my balls, nerd. And that's why when people tell you, look, you can't do this today, shit changes. Maybe you can do it tomorrow. Do it today
1: so they let you do it tomorrow.
0: Yeah, fuck yeah. Right? True. And this is why we get wild animals in this sport, and they need to apologize. Take John Jones, for example. John Jones, light heavyweight champ, no undefeated. No one's ever beat him. He got a no contest. No, he got a, he got a, uh, a disqualification against Mark Hamill. Bullshit. He was beating the shit out of him, and I, I think he did some sort of like illegal elbow, mm-hmm. and they took him out. They're trying to get no contest on that one or get it dismissed. But the fact is, best of all time, wild animal. Yeah. Dude, the guy is like, I've met him a few times. Great guy. Super nice. Used to train at Eastside Gracie in New Mexico, in Albuquerque, where I used to train. He used to come, no geese on Friday, do some real damage. Um, I couldn't train in there with him, um, but it was just for high level guys so you could watch. A beast. He's done coke with my old roommate, so the rumors about him partying is true. But you know what? It's the fact that like, you're the baddest motherfucker on the planet. Sure. No one in your professional career has ever beat you and goddamn has never even come close. What does that mean? They expect you to go to church every Sunday? Get the fuck out of here. You're right, a exactly. warrior. You're a warrior. You are a warrior on another level and you have to live in a society where people are having meetings where they get upset about the gender pronouns being used. Like, of course, you're not going to entirely fit in. There's some soft bitches out there that are not going to like the way that you kind of, you know, hold yourself up. But I think overall, he's doing fine. He's done a few fucked up things. I think he kind of... I think he like hit and run a pregnant woman. That's oh yeah, not that, well, yeah, that's not yeah that one's bad. That one's bad. That's
1: not one's bad. You, don't do that, guys.
0: But he didn't run up to a puncher and run away. That's not what I mean. Sure, that's not a hit. He, it was in a car. It, and he, 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 maybe didn't he didn't punch her. He ran her over, over his car. It's not ideal. Okay, <laughs> right. he's a wild man. He's a wild man. You know, but the, this sport is full of wild people. Well, so you gotta have someone like Dana White at the head of it. Like slapping these assholes into, in, in like he's got to make some sense out of what they're doing. Well, sure, they're going to be running amok, man. They
1: are wild. I mean, this that sport doesn't lend itself to the mild mannered, soft natured human beings. That doesn't. You're not going to do that. No, I mean, that's just not how it's going to be. No. Sorry,
0: and but he has to be free. He has to be wild and free mm-hmm. and be who he needs to be. And and this is the perfect transition onto the last part of their podcast where Joe described what it was like working with Dave Chappelle mm. over the past couple of weeks at their massive shows. Now, have you seen some of the video from any of these shows? No. I haven't. It's just little snippets on on Instagram. Dude, these fucking stadiums. they're stadiums. Yeah. Dude. Dude. Right. So, as far as I know, Ian Edwards was opening for them. And then it was Chappelle and, and Rogan, or whatever order. Maybe Joe went first, then Chappelle. I, I don't think Joe would care. He's not going to get all ego about it. And Chappelle is. Sorry, Joe. Chappelle's, Chappelle's the goat.
1: He's the goat. Sorry. He's There's the a- goat,
0: man. So, you know, they just talk about this. Like, it's fucking. I think it's like breaking record attendance. For comedy, I'm I not hundred percent sure I believe it what does this mean for comedy that it's now into these new echelons like it's as big as a rock band, like what's bigger than that
1: I think well, I think you're absolutely right, and it's interesting because I feel like stand-ups have kind of a, a renaissance lately. I feel like a lot especially with a lot of the Netflix specials coming out and they're just kind of it's a lot in your face. You got a lot of big comics coming up. Um, I feel like it's just another—it's just another medium that's blowing up. That's what I think it is. I, I think Chappelle coming back certainly helps. That dude was gone yeah. for ten years. Yeah, and he's—he is. He's the greatest of all time. And so, a lo- I mean, it's kind of—it's a little bit like uh, the Beatles getting back together type of thing. I mean, he was—he was the greatest, and he's coming back and doing it. And I love all his Netflix specials. Some people, I read some bullshit critical stuff. It's like eat a dick. Those were great. Those were fucking hysterical. Um, and I feel, I, I feel like that's part of it. Definitely, he's gonna yeah. sell out stadiums. Especially he yeah. and Rogan get out of town. Of course they Come are. Come on. I mean, people Come want on. to see that. What well, you know-
0: with Eddie Murphy coming back, oh, and you know dude. Eddie. And Chappelle must have some sort of connection because Charlie Murphy was on yeah. the Chappelle show and Super those fucking close. stories. I, I mean, know, imagine dude. you've got Eddie and Chappelle on stage. Oh Charlie's my God. passed away, but now Eddie is recounting the Rick James story to Chappelle oh in God. like a Q and A. I would just fucking jizzle but over those myself. Are,
1: but think about that, and we also live in a kind of a we live in a world where we're very disconnected. Technology is in our lives; it's everywhere. And I think we, as human beings, long for connection. And I think that's just another avenue we're trying to get out. We're trying to see things up front, have experiences, things like that. And these are the greats: Eddie Murphy and Dave Chappelle are the greats. That's going to attract a shit ton of people that want that experience. I mean, hell, I have a friend that goes to a music festival every damn weekend and put, puts her phone away. And it's because they she wants that goddamn experience. They, people were longing for that. They're searching for that. I think yeah. like, this is just yet another avenue.
0: No, you're right. Listen to this bull-ass shit, then. So, yeah. Dave, talk, I mean, Joe talks about they finished up, right? So he's just done a stadium with Dave Chappelle. They leave... And they're like, what are we doing now? Because, you know, Joe's ready to hang out, see what's going on. Dave's like, oh, I've rented out this movie theater. So they go (laughs) over there. Dave does some shrooms. They watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. They have the whole theater themselves. They're just fucking drinking and laughing and having a time watching this movie. And then, dude, they're just full on into it. And his whole group has like, we're talking like IVs. For the you know getting over being hungover, they've got like the full nutritional pack IV situation. I mean, That's they are so rolling funny. deep, dude. They're fucking crazy. That's amazing, wild, crazy, and amazing. And now we're getting all this comedy, you know. And it's and it's a it's only a wave of goodness. Like you can't you can't understate it, overstate it, whatever. It's like look, this isn't just laughing. This is. So important for us, all of us,
1: mm-hmm. and,
0: and to get these legends back. Like, there's a reason Eddie Murphy's come back, and to say that, to say the re- that it's um, the
1: Renaissance, man.
0: Yeah, but to say that Chappelle's specials haven't encouraged them is like that's you know disingenuous. Oh, they I'm have. sure they have. Had to have. What else? Nothing got him moving for fucking how many years? Almost yep. 40 years, bro. Netflix when was his last that- special? 84.
1: Yep. Yeah. Absolutely, uh, 86, maybe 87. Yeah, Netflix, Dude, my is back in the entire truck life,
0: now. my yeah. entire life, and and now he's back. And god damn it, I can't wait for Eddie. We don't know if if uh Chappelle going to be on Rogan anytime soon. I a friend of mine had a sighting of him in Santa Monica last week. I posted it. Oh I don't, you know, I thought that it was because maybe he went by the compound because I don't know why else he'd be out here. Um, at least in Santa Monica. I mean, there's a lot of other reasons, of course. But he, was just reasons. Per- but he was just performing with Joe. And, you know, after you do a bunch of stadiums, unless you have to do TV, you're probably going to go home. And he lives in Ohio. So really? I felt like maybe he got dragged out just to be like, okay, I'll do the podcast. And But, but who knows? But either way, big things are happening there. And, you know, we'll stay on top of it as much as we can. Ear to the ground you know, let's we'll see what happens. All right, buddy. I think All that's right, about it for us today. Um, thank you as always for listening, downloading, whatever. Um, we're going to have the Facebook page up soon. We got to get that up so we can get more feedback. Love it. Contact us on Instagram. at Joe Rogan Experience with you. As always, message this day, email us. The fucking links are in the bio. And from Mark and I, we appreciate it. Love you guys. Bye.